What's this I'm hearing about this weekend? Three-star U is actually going to have a ton of four-stars in the 2025 class. Parker Thune on recruiting visits here in Norman. Am I seeing four four-stars from the top 25 class coming from the West Coast to come to Norman? Yeah, how, how about, about that? that? From Mule Shoes Backyard. <laughs> Three-star U. Look at these guys. No, that was a joke like three months ago. No one's calling OU three-star U anymore, right? Surely no one's calling OU three-star U anymore? I wouldn't that think died? so, especially because they are potentially on the precipice of doubling their five-star tally here in the 2023 cycle. Yeah, they are two decisions away uh, from that being the case. DJ Hicks and Peyton Bowen, do we have to wait until the month of October for both of those decisions? Maybe, but uh, still feeling pretty good about those two five-stars out there for the 2023 class. But yeah, um, this weekend is kind of about the 2025 class. Uh, Four-star athlete Jaden Hudson will be here. Four-star linebacker Nasser Wyatt's going to be here. Four-star running back Jordan Davison is going to be here. Is that J- uh, Jaden Hudson? Is that what I said? And they got four-star Philip Bell in here this weekend as well. So we've talked, uh, I-, I know for most of you, like 25 guys, really? Like we're just trying to get down 23. Like The point is here is that when you've done – so much, uh, so you've gotten so many commits up to this point where the 23 class, you can get ahead on future classes, and it kind of feels like that's what's going on here, Parker, with these high level uh, four star athletes in 25 coming to Norman. Yeah, well, and another guy that's going to be on campus this weekend is the number one player in the state of Oklahoma for the 2025 cycle, Jaden Nickens out of Millwood High, two sports stud who's got power five offers in basketball and is the number four wide receiver in the class, according to 24-7 Sports, in the class of 2025. So Oklahoma right now is – here's what you have to think of this as. You are establishing relationships early in the process that are going to pay off down the line. Because you think about some of the key pieces that Oklahoma has already added to the 2023 cycle – These are guys with whom many of these coaches had pre-existing relationships that dated back years in some cases. Jay Valai had been tight with Makari Vickers since Makari Vickers was a freshman. Obviously, Todd Bates had been recruiting Derek LeBlanc since very, very early on in his high school career. Jeff Lebby and Jackson Arnold had been close for quite a while. So... It's about developing these relationships early in the process so that a year or two down the line, when we're talking about Oklahoma putting the finishing touches on one of the nation's best recruiting classes, we can trace it all back to a day like this Saturday, September 24th. Well, and what I think is interesting about this too, Parker, is you know these four guys or these four kids – from the West Coast, I'm guessing that they're coming in on their own dime, right? And that's one thing that Brent and Dabo were able to do at Clemson that we haven't seen a whole lot from OU in the past. Now, OU is always able to get kids from the state of Oklahoma to come in on their own dime, and certainly even kids from the state of Texas to come in on their own dime. But multiple players from the state of California, uh, we've seen players kind of all across the country make it to Norman one way or the other on their own dime. And in a lot of cases, Parker, they've done it multiple times. That was something that we knew about Brent's recruiting philosophy when he first got here. What uh, most famously with uh, Jaron Canick, right? He said, 
Bingo. I mean, show me how serious you are about getting to Clemson. Like, get out here for this camp, and then I'll offer you. I ain't going to offer you until you get out here. Uh, I am very pleasantly surprised how successful they've been, and they've been very successful on getting players, elite players in all over the country on their own dime. That, that's been a very pleasant surprise, and that's going to pay dividends. I think it already has, actually. Well, because it demonstrates that there's investment on both sides, right? Oklahoma's saying, hey, we're interested in you. We want to recruit you. We want to build this relationship. We have to know that we're not making this expenditure of time and money to recruit you and provide you with tickets to games and potentially send coaches uh, to visit your school if that interest isn't going to be reciprocated. So come on out, prove to us that you're serious about Oklahoma, and then, hey, from there on out, we're going to be serious about one another from a mutual perspective, and I would expect that there will be several players on campus, specifically those players that you mentioned from the state of California, because those guys don't have OU offers yet. Yeah. Even Jaden Nickens doesn't have an OU offer yet when we're talking about the kid from right up the road. But I would expect that in the not-too-distant future, a lot of these guys that are going to be visiting unofficially this weekend at Oklahoma are going to get offers because the Sooner staff is going to arrive at the understanding that, hey, these guys have a certain desire to be Sooners. Uh, text line says, I haven't kept, haven't kept up on our offensive line recruiting. How are we looking this year? You're looking awesome. Uh, yeah. You're looking so awesome, you've got uh, committed offensive linemen that are breaking chairs at the KREF Army tailgates <laughs> on Saturdays. All right? You're getting heavy offensive linemen. Heath Ozida, uh, in case anyone missed that, what was that, the Kent State game? He was on with Parker during the pregame show. He and Jackson Arnold and Heath Ozida broke one of our chairs, which was absolutely hilarious. And a legendary story. And if Heath Ozida turns out to be a great player here, Parker, uh, listeners will hear that story hundreds more times moving forward. Yeah, that was that was the day we met Heath Ozida. That was the day really anybody saw Heath Ozida face-to-face because he'd committed to Oklahoma without an official visit. Heck, when he showed up at the tailgate, he hadn't even put on an OU uniform yet for the first time. Wow. So, yes, that that is a story that will be repeated for years and years to come, especially if Heath Ozida... Uh, turns into one of the greats at the offensive line position. But how is offensive line recruiting looking? Um, I mean, you've had four commits for a while now, and Caden Green is he's legit out there on the edge. I, I, I think, though, Parker, that and we bring up like most underrated commits in this year's class, and seemingly we've mentioned everyone now, I, I just think for whatever reason, Josh Bates has got a chance to be that guy in this class. You know, I, he's not – maybe the most talked about offensive line commit that you have, or certainly the most celebrated recruit you have, but I there's a level of uh, tough and nasty in there that uh, I think could play out pretty well. Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. The problem for Josh Bates, and it isn't really a problem, but the ostensible issue with Josh Bates as a recruit is the exact same thing that kept Creed Humphrey's ceiling capped in terms of his ranking as a prospect. He's a pure center, and in today's day and age, you aren't going to see a whole lot of pure centers ascend to high four-star, five-star status. Especially when you're playing in Western Colorado. No offense to our Western Colorado listeners, but, I mean, hey. That said, once Creed Humphrey got to the University of Oklahoma, everybody saw just how good of a pure center he really was. And there there came a moment in which everybody realized, okay, 
regardless of where this guy ranked nationally, it's pretty clear that he was the best pure center available in that recruiting class. It's much the same way with Josh Bates. There is nobody across the country right now in terms of centers at the high school level that can touch him. He is the top center in this recruiting class. And so when he shows up to Oklahoma and once he has the chance to spend a couple years in that system, learning and developing under Bill Biedenboe and the watch of Jerry Schmidt, the boy's going to be good. Yeah, 405-651-3439. You know the number. Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get to more of them, uh, I assure you, as we always do as the show rolls on. Malachi Coleman have been talking a lot about him over the course of the past three weeks, and we bring him back up because Nebraska allegedly kind of zeroing in or like really interested in three particular targets. Bill O'Brien, Alabama OC, I don't get that one, whatever. Lance Leopold, head coach at Kansas, and Matt Campbell, head coach at Iowa State. Uh, any three of those head co- coaching hires, would any three of those do it for Malachi Coleman? You think, oh, if they hire one, if they hire this guy, then that's that spells trouble for OU in this recruitment. No, not really, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you don't. You don't get super intimidated by any of the, those three guys as recruiters. Now, I think long-term for the future of the Nebraska football program, Leipold is the guy you want to hire. But I maybe Matt Campbell? Like he, He's probably the guy that has the biggest reputation, the most notable reputation in recruiting circles. But is he going to leave Iowa State and what he's already built there? for the dumpster fire that is Nebraska. Look, he's going to have buy-in. Anybody who gets that job is going to have buy-in from the donors. He's got job security right now. That's he's, a very valuable asset He's got for a, a ton of job security. Just and beat like, Iowa I, for the first time. My gosh. If I'm Matt Campbell, I it will take the perfect situation for me to leave Iowa State. And I think if he waits long enough, there's going to come a point at which he's going to – trip and fall into a job where he doesn't have to do a whole lot of program rehabilitation yeah right there's going to be a school that comes knocking on the door where they lose a coach for one reason or another but they're already a perennial 8-10 win program and they just need somebody to take them over the top that's the type of job that i envision matt campbell taking to, down the line. to answer my own question none of those three guys jump out to me as uh ooh, yeah i bet malachi coleman would really be interested in nebraska even more so if they get the job it's still all about mickey joseph what it really is parker is which guy is the most likely to keep mickey joseph on staff precisely for whatever reason i think bill o'brien is least likely to keep mickey joseph on staff whether that's right or not but i'm just a i I don't know i'm just kind of a hater i guess on bill o'brien getting a big time college football job this offseason malachi coleman has actual solid relationships with two coaches mickey joseph and joe john finley so no, I don't think a Bill O'Brien is going to move the needle tremendously for that kid. From the 918, Stacy Gage still trending to Florida. That's the four star running back out of the state of Florida. I was hearing some interesting Ohio State stuff a few weeks yeah, ago. And, and, and Ohio State's in that mix, too. I would be wary of those two schools. But I think if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're keeping tags on keeping keeping tabs, excuse me, on running back recruiting in the class of 2024, what comforts you is that there are plenty of viable alternatives if you don't end up with Stacey Gage. Caden Durham looks like a future superstar. Nate Palmer is a really good back. Taylor Tatum is a really good back. DeMarco Murray 
has a variety of directions that he can go in 2024. And I think as you look ahead to the kind of numbers that Oklahoma's already going to have in the running back room by that point, it's probably a one-take class yeah. at that position. Well, and we've seen, too, with the transfer portal, look no further than Alabama. If You, you can always get a running back via the portal. OU did that, what, twice this offseason? And some years, Parker, there's a Jameer Gibbs that's that's out there, and you can go get a big-time running back. Um, real quick, 5-8-0. Traveling through Vernon by the Lighthouse Church, stuck behind a tractor on a two-lane highway. Tyler knows something about that. Yeah, say hi to my uncle, please. Right, wave and say hi to my uncle. Please don't flip him off. Don't give him the bird or anything. That is one of my relatives. Uh, it's Verdon, not Vernon. Yeah, I was about to say, is Verdon and but different than Vernon? Okay, I, I, it, it's a, yes, I, I am very used to the tractor on the two-line highway out there. Uh, one listener asks, Parker, random question. Is Robert Thune your dad? I was sitting here reading a book by him. And listening to you and started to search him out and started making the connection from Twitter posts. Trippy, man. Yes, Robert Thune, more colloquially known as Bob, is in fact my father. So, I I, I know, it, yesterday we had my dad's old suite mate on the text line. I know, look about at this. He's, he, he's just spreading the word up there in Omaha about the show. It's unbelievable. I guess so. I am a little offended that he didn't come by the session room on Friday and say hello. Just a little bit offended. Well, he was, I, you know I what know he was he, doing? I is. know he was detailing the White Buffalo and he had some things to do, but still, I, I wanted to meet Bob for the first time. Uh, Kendall says, how does the scuttlebutt of different alternate uniforms for Saturday affect recruiting? Yeah, that's going uh, crazy on social media right now. Did we did we start that yesterday? Is is that where that coming from? Did we, we start that we one not, up? We did not start okay. that. The ref did not start that. Okay, I'm just but. wondering where how that got stirred up so quickly yesterday after we mentioned it. I was wondering if we were to blame on that one or no, not. No, we, we, we are not to blame. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hey, our buddy Travis Davidson going to join us coming up at 235. He'll be with me on the rush today from 3 to 6. Keep it locked to the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And they're listening today in Sydney, Australia, Aurora, Colorado, Jacksonville, Florida, Holliston, Massachusetts, Fairview, Oregon, College Grove, Tennessee, and I think that this has turned into the biggest moment of the show now for us, Parker. I know. Forget. We got listeners competing <laughs> over this. Forget about the hot four-star that's going to be in town this weekend. The Oklahoma small town of the day. That's the biggest part of the day. Red Oak, Oklahoma is listening today. Love it. Boo! No, I'm just kidding. Shout out to Red Oak. Um, Red Oak is a small town baseball powerhouse down in the uh, southeast portion of the state. Is it? Okay. Uh, anyone familiar with Lane Adams who played big league ball for a few years? Uh, Lane Adams is from uh, Red Oak, Oklahoma. 
Okay. Played for the Atlanta Braves for a bit, uh, bounced around in the minors. Not sure if he's still playing or not. It's so, funny, like the second we go on air, we have people texting in yeah. their Oklahoma small towns like, make this the Oklahoma small town of the day. <laughs> One of your four listeners listening in small town Cameron, Oklahoma. Yeah, that was on there. And then there was another one. I, I forget what it was. Fort Slick, Benning, Oklahoma. Slick, Oklahoma. Fort Benning, Georgia. Yorba Linda, California. Chase in Orange County. Appreciate that as always. Well, hey, uh, according to Parker... All Alabama did today was get Julio Jones Jr. in recruiting today because Jalen Hale, four-star wide receiver, picks Bama over Texas and A&M today. And, hey, he even wears number eight like uh, Julio Jones did at Bama. Yeah, be, be very, very glad you will not be seeing that boy in burnt orange over the next few years because he is good. He is really good. I'm not sure how he's just a four-star and not a five-star. No, I don't either. He was a five-star for a minute a while back. To me, like, everybody thinks the gap between Zach Branch and the rest of the receiver class in 2023 is pretty sizable. Jalen Hale, I, I I, don't know if there is another receiver I would rather have than that kid. Yeah, I mean, he's he good. He's all that. Four-star receiver out of uh, Longview, Texas. Uh, Malcolm Kelly was from Longview, right? Yeah, of course, because it's in the... Uh... It's in the Malcolm Kelly rap. So, yeah, that, that, yeah, from the same town as uh, Malcolm Kelly. Bama gets a good one, and this has been the case now for a while, but it, again today, ain't nobody catching Alabama in the 2023 class. Uh, there's still some things that needed to be sorted out in recruiting this year. The one thing that does not need to be sorted out is who's going to have the number one overall class because Alabama's going to have the number one overall class and the scary thing is they're not done yet pulling in elite talent. They've, they've still got some players out there uh, on the board, and they're probably going to land at least another five-star, I would guess. Yeah, unless Nick Saban gets thrown in prison for embezzlement. It is. That'd be al- awesome. It is already oh, ready. that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, if you'd like watching Alabama's downfall, then yes. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what, I'm, what's up, what I've been waiting on. And it's interesting that you bring that up because – you know, you you say that they get Julio Jones Jr. today, and the SEC schedule for 2023 was released today. And let me preface by saying, I don't think that there's much of a chance at all that this would be the case. But I am interested how OU fans would feel if OU and Alabama, that was one of your three rotating teams in the SEC every single year. Do you say, bring them on, let's go. We'll play Bama home and home every single year. Uh, do you not want that right now? Like Again, I, I think it's a very, very low probability it would happen. But, Parker, like the two slam dunk blue bloods that are in the SEC, it's OU and Alabama. Those are two slam dunk blue blood programs. And everyone else is – I don't think that there's any other blue blood programs in the SEC. So that's not enough of a reason to pair them up together. I'm just, you know, throwing it out there and seeing what people George think. is kind of in the twilight zone between blue blood and new blood, aren't they? Now – they got to do a lot more for, to be considered a blue blood for me. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm with you. But uh, in the new SEC, those are the three programs at the tip of the top, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, in no particular order. So would OU fans be down to, to have that I, rotating opponent I think, every I single year? I think they should be down. I think so because that matchup is must-see TV. Lord knows it's going to sell a lot of tickets, and it's going to have national championship implications. That is, that would be today's equivalent of the OU-Nebraska matchups between 1970 and 1990. Oh, dude, there is no better way to announce to the country that 
you're different or you're on the road to winning a national championship than than beating Alabama. Now, granted, A&M beat Alabama last year, and it hasn't really worked out all that well for them. Since beating Alabama, all A&M has done is lose to both Mississippi schools, a bad LSU team, and lose to App State at home. So it doesn't guarantee that you're on the come up, but if you beat Alabama, that kind of seemingly changes things for some programs. Yeah, that A&M victory over Alabama was the flukiest of flukes, and we all kind of knew it in the moment, but what's transpired since last October 9th has all but confirmed that. Absolutely want Bama every single year. We want Bama. Uh, Blue Bloods have to be undisputed. Nobody disputes OU and Alabama. I agree. Give me Alabama. It'll never be that bad of a loss as long as Saban is there. And if you win, you almost lock a spot in the playoffs. Uh, Brian and Tulsa, yes, I'm down to be the best. You've got to beat the best. So, all right. Hey, and maybe that's our indication that uh, things are flipping around a, a little bit here, Parker. You know, maybe we don't have any more of a, well, I'd just rather go to a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl and win than go into the playoffs and get embarrassed now. Everyone's saying, bring on Bama, let's go. Somebody in the 918 asked, how do you catch Bama and Georgia if they keep recruiting at their current pace? Well, the same way Georgia caught Alabama and Clemson, which were very clearly the two best programs in college football for quite a while. It's not an overnight process. Got to develop, man. Got to develop. Develop like crazy. And you have to find guys that are willing to A, buy in, and B, stay beyond the three-year threshold. Because so many guys, and it's going to become more and more prevalent. You're going to see more and more players that have a desire to make the jump after three years because they feel like they're good enough. There are certain players that are good enough, but... I would say the vast majority of players that think they're good enough to make the jump after three years are not actually good enough to go play NFL football after three years. So you have to build a locker room full of players that not only have uh, ambition and the desire to be great at the collegiate level and help your program ascend to new heights and go win national titles, but they also have to have realistic evaluations and expectations for themselves as individual football players. Yeah, and and history, recent history has proven that you don't have to out-recruit Alabama to win a national championship or to beat them head-to-head. Now, you may have to out-develop them with the way that they're recruiting and developing, but Clemson never, um, to my knowledge, Parker, ever had a better recruiting class than Alabama when they won the uh, national championships in 2016 and 2018, which, oh, by the way, they beat Alabama in both of those games to win the title. Like, Clemson proved, and I don't have to remind anyone who was the defensive coordinator on those Clemson teams, but, I mean, you've got to be in the area. You've just, you've really got to kind of instill a culture. You have to have the right blueprint, and you have to develop. And the developing part, I feel good about. The blueprint part, I feel great about it. Like we are, we are already seeing the shift in the blueprint of this program. We are seeing this team play complementary football on both sides. We've seen that throughout the first three games right now. Now, it's not a finished product by any stretch, but you're starting to hear people nationally, Parker, say, all right, OU might finally have what they've been missing, which is a really good defense. They might have finally figured out the blueprint they need to win the championship. And when people talk about OU's blueprint, they always bring up defense, but let's not ignore special teams either. 
OU hasn't been great at special teams in the past few years. I think that they might be pretty good on, on at least on that side. By the way, off topic here, Texas has moved very quickly in the aftermath of Jalen Hale's commitment to Alabama and deployed their backup plan. You remember a young fellow by the name of DeAndre Moore? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> was he was Taking he a five a, star at once? Yeah, he yeah. was he was at one point a five star. Taking an official visit to Texas, still committed to Louisville at the moment. So was he the guy that was committed to OU once this new staff took over and they were kinda like, Yeah, we're good on this recruitment, didn't Correct. really reach out to him? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yes. So once an OU commits, he, OU was like, Yeah. He was one of the very few that stuck it out with Oklahoma after most of their 2023 class decommitted when Muleshoe left, but the new staff got to town and didn't really see it with DeAndre Moore, at least not as a wide receiver. Which, so. which is a gutsy move to to make, Parker, because you, yeah, that's, that's how you, know, you man. get there and your recruiting class kind of cratered already. And for one of the few guys that was still committed to say, and eh, we could do better at that position – they had a lot of confidence that they were going to figure out a way to have a good 2023 class, and they were right. They're right outside the top five, and I think they'll finish inside the top five. One listener says, Bama is nice, but give me LSU every year. No, do not give me LSU Those, those are the types year. of people you want to hang out with year in and year out? I don't know about that. That's a different level of crazy than what we're used to. Uh, listening from Duluth, Minnesota, working outside in a nice, warm 58 degrees in windy rain. Boomer Sooner, SEC Champs 2025. I could do without the windy rain, but the 58 degrees sounds awesome. 58 degrees is what I was hoping for in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it was a hot one out there, uh, Parker Thune, which you were outside, right? You were on the field? Were you Were you on the field in Lincoln? I was on the field okay. in Lincoln, yes. So you felt the heat just like I did. Oh, yeah. It was hot. Uh once the uh, once the overcast morning gave way to the sunny afternoon, Woo! it was it was it was pretty. Yeah, brutal. it got a little little sweltering. Jake Martin on the text line says, "Pitcher, Oklahoma, small town nominee." Parker's documentary on my old hometown was great. Uh, yeah, appreciate that, Jake. Had a lot of fun doing that documentary back in the day. But uh, I I know you're not listening from Pitcher, Oklahoma, because it didn't exist. <laughs> it no longer exists. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Air Coverage Solutions text line. We'll catch up with Travis Davidson coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, plus Travis Davidson, as he does every single Wednesday. He joins us from uh, 2.30 to 3. He'll be on with me live on the rush from 3 to 6 this afternoon. Trav, what's going up, dude? How uh, what's how does uh, Mike Gundy blaming the downfall of Bedlam affect OU football recruiting? Oh, man. Uh, I, I tell you what, the, probably the most annoying thing about all this is, A, that it got rehashed, but but B, that OSU fans and apparently Mike Gundy don't understand that you can play each other when you're not in the same conference. OU and OSU have played each other 46 times when they've not been in the same conference. You know, Clemson, South Carolina, you know, Iowa, Iowa State. You could on and on about, you know, teams that play each other when, the, when they're not outside the conference. It's, it's one of those things that, oh, well, they chose Texas and money. Well, yeah, we, we, we chose the SEC 
But that doesn't mean we have to end this. Nope, nope, nope. You chose the SEC. No, no, hear me out. We can so nope, nope, don't want to hear it. You just like it's it's just it's 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 a little sad to be honest. Heck, how many years did Oklahoma and Texas play each other when they weren't the, the majority same like of 100? matchups that they've <laughs> ever played? Yes. Exactly. And but that's the thing. It's oh nope, you guys chose the SEC. I'm and then I'm gonna stick my fingers in my ear and uh, and not listen to a word you said. I mean, it's it's pretty pathetic, but hey, you know what? Five years from now we're gonna be uh um, you know, waking up to a game day in Norman, you know, as we take on L S U in a night game and They'll be waking up after uh, playing Houston on a Friday night <laughs> oh, on, on uh, Cartoon Network Plus or I could, whatever. I, uh, I, I could see the Big 12 like uh, being more present on Friday nights because the NFL kind of owns Thursday nights now. Obviously, college football owns Saturday. The NFL owns Sunday. The NFL owns Monday. Uh, maybe the Big 12, maybe we'll see, yeah, a lot more Oklahoma State games on Friday. Uh, who knows, man. But I'm pretty convinced, guys, that – OSU made the decision the day OU announced the move to the SEC that they weren't going to continue with that rivalry anymore. So, last night was pretty comical, though. I mean, we, we don't have to sit here and talk about it, but I want to talk about it. I got a full page of notes here. He had a full page of notes ready to go, Trav. It was it was interesting. Yeah, yeah we need to get over it. Okay, show me. Show, show me you getting over it then, because this isn't you getting over it. This is you getting super worked up with your page of notes and yelling towards a bunch of – you know, the OSU media that's going to say, yeah, yeah, you tell them, Mike, you tell them, Mike. Yeah, nothing no, nothing says uh, this whole thing is pointless. I don't know why we're talking about it. Like showing up with a freaking notepad <laughs> to talk about it. Yeah, the one time I've ever seen him show up to a notepad with the media availability. And they don't even play this week, by the way. He just wanted someone to ask him about it so he could go off on that tangent. Hey, I was uh, I was looking at some numbers earlier today. And, man, you, you talk about the difference between Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams and even Dylan Gabriel's season up to this point, Travis. It's a pretty massive difference. Um, now, Spencer Rattler has definitely played better competition out of the three, and it's really not that close. But Rattler has 721 yards. That's 50th in the country right now. He's only ha- He only has two touchdowns, tied for 101st. He has five interceptions, tied for 102nd. Two touchdowns, five picks, whereas Caleb Williams has eight touchdowns, no picks, and Dylan Gabriel has seven touchdowns, no picks. His season has gone so far drastically different than the other two. Yeah, and, and you know, I was, I was one that, you know, was really hoping Spencer would, would – play well down uh, in South Carolina, you know, with Stogner and Shane Beamer and all those guys. But I will say the unfortunate part is, yes, he's had some tough competition, uh, but the one game that he showed out and threw for, what, 370, three, you know, 350, something like that against Arkansas, who uh, Arkansas ranks 131st out of 131 possible FBS football teams in pass defense. Oh, um, and if you added all 123 F- FCS teams, Arkansas would rank 251st Jeez. out of 254. Combine all the D2 teams in there, Arkansas would rank 412 out of 416. If you add the D3 teams, Arkansas is 649th out of 650. Dang, you went to you did some extensive research. So here, Travis, this, this Davidson. is uh, he's our analytical yeah, this, guy. Yeah, this is from uh, this is from a, a, an Arkansas uh, Twitter account. Uh, that's uh, through those numbers out there. I'll tell you what, if A&M can't throw against this uh, defense, then old quarterback whisperer 
Uh, Jimbo Fisher might have some questions. Well, that's what I was going to say is all those numbers only for A&M to throw for 122 yards on Saturday. Texas A&M has fewer red zone trips than the University of Iowa does this year. What? Yeah. I think Iowa has three. Three and A&M has two. Wow. That, like, that, here's the thing. I was kind of the barometer of terrible offense. So when that program has gotten – to the red zone more often than you that's how you know you're struggling here's the thing you also know you're struggling as an offense when max johnson is an upgrade over your incumbent (laughs) starter yeah and we saw him last year at lsu that didn't go all that well but yeah spencer rattler um me thinks he's probably going to be playing college football next year at the uh at south carolina but uh we'll we'll see um, in terms of this team, and Parker, I'll ask you this question first. Like, the only thing really – well, I say the only thing that you can look at and question after last Saturday is, is kicker now any sort of a question for your team? Dylan Gabriel's catching some flack for whatever reason, but are you at all more concerned about kicker after the missed field goal last week? From, nah, uh, no, not really. If there comes a circumstance – in which Zach Schmidt misses multiple times in a single game or misses a Michael Honeycutt chip shot, then maybe I'll start to be concerned. But I I also believe that OU fans, much like the quarterback situation, have probably been spoiled by their sure. kickers over the last decade or so because Honeycutt, for the most part, was money. Austin Seibert, for four years, was money. Gabe Burkich, up until Burrito Anon, was money. So, I it, it's it's kind of to be expected every now and again. Your kicker is going to push one wide. That's what happened to Zach Schmidt. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. And look, if Schmidt flames out, you got Gavin Marshall waiting in the wings. And that boy's got a leg of his own. Yeah, so. Travis, the first field goal that's attempted on Saturday, whether OU's up 21 nothing or it's a tight football game, I think that that is something that people are going to watch and be like, all right, this is kind of an interesting kick coming up here. Let's see how he responds to his first miss. Right, and, you know, there's something to be said for still being 7-for-7 seven seven on point afters um, against Nebraska. Again, did push one. Um, I, you know, you hope you hope that it doesn't come down, that a game doesn't come down to a field goal to put him in that position. But, I mean, they almost always do at some point, right? I mean, even even the best teams play – than a field goal. We just saw Alabama have to kick a game winner against Texas. And, yeah, you hope he gets cleaned up. But to Parker's point, he's not the last line of defense. You just hope that it doesn't get to the point. We just hope if he's not the guy that we find out before it's too late or before it's in a situation where you absolutely need it. Kind of like how I feel about QB2. You know, I wrote last week in the Cooking with Grill Boy on 247 that – you know, through two games with a lot of mop-up duty, uh, Davis Bevel hadn't really had the opportunity to spin it much. He was handing the ball off. And now I know that, you know, you, you don't want to be throwing late, you know, sportsmanship, all this. But, you know, to heck with that. We need to figure out who's going to be our QB2. And if it is Davis Bevel, we need to know that he can really spin it against, you know, actual competition. So we get that opportunity against Nebraska. He only has two passing attempts. And he got in with seven minutes left in the third quarter. So... Uh, I would like to see him throw the ball more because, you know, if General Booty's the guy, 
then I'd rather find out that General Booty's the guy, uh, you know, in this situation than I would maybe if Dylan goes down, God forbid, or anything like that. I, I'm definitely not going to be the guy that's uh, overly concerned after just one miss on the year. But at the same time, I, I feel like a kicker's first miss is kind of a monumental moment in their career. It's the first time that you've missed in a game. Let's see how he responds this week, especially if he has to make a big kick. How do you respond after that first miss? That can uh, that that could sometimes for some guys it can shake the confidence a little bit. Maybe for Zach Schmidt, he comes out and he goes three for three this weekend. I, well, I especially that's kickers, case. man. Yeah, the kickers. It's between the ears with them. Uh, all right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. You guys are piling it up on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. We'll get to as many of those as we can coming up next. Plus. Is there anything that could make us nervous about the DJ Hicks commitment? We'll tell you about that coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Travis Davidson is with us as he is every single Wednesday. He'll be on the rush with me coming up from 3 to 6. Trav's also at uh, Flamingo Fish and Marine in Eufaula, Oklahoma. What are we doing today, Travis? Is this like FC Tulsa if you come by and say, uh, Trav sent me that you get some free bait or something? Is that the deal today? A free flamingo? Free flamingo, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's funny is I I do see – a lot of uh, inflatable flamingo, uh, you know, all of the flotation devices. I'm next to the largest uh, flotation device I've ever seen. It is a unicorn. Uh, they've got everything here. they got massive space. Uh, they've got live bait. They've got rods, reels, clothing, um, really whatever you need. So uh, right over here and you follow, we are just a block away from Selman Road. So nice. if you really really want to get into the festivities uh, of the Selman Brothers statue unveiling. You come on by here, uh, get yourself a picture with the Selman Road sign, come into uh, uh, Flamingo Fish and Marine, and then head down, down to Norman on Saturday. That is a massive statue that they're putting in, um, and it looks awesome. It looks really, really cool. That's going to be a great dedication coming up on Saturday. There were some pictures that were put out today about the statue. It is really Really cool. Uh, I just found something unbelievable on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Thank you to whoever sent this. Can we talk about how the Texas wide receiver room has zero touchdown catches? Yes, we can talk about that. And when I first read it, I said, there's no way. They put up a ton of points on UTSA and then UL Monroe in their opener. That's not right. I went back through each game. It is right. They have some touchdown catches, but they're all to their running backs, or Jatavian Sanders has one, Parker, who is a, a, a tight end. So no wide receivers for Texas have a touchdown catch yet. Man. <laughs> that'll, that'll change before long. Like Xavier Worthy will get one. Well, he or, dropped one in the end zone against Alabama, or they would have one in that the first probably, half. Who do they play this weekend? Uh, they're at Tech. Oh, they're at Tech. That's right. So, yeah, that'll probably end because Lord knows Tech can't play any defense. But 
Uh, yeah, it is a nice little dunk to have on a Wednesday on the Texas Longhorns. No wide receiver touchdowns through three games. A&M and Miami, like two drunk offenses trying to find their way. Yeah, that game sucks. I, well, I got to watch it with Travis. He was beside – I mean, he was going crazy <laughs> at the place <laughs> that we were watching Omaha, watching A&M and Miami. Oh, man, they would do the montage of all of Miami's missed opportunities. I mean, dropped – I mean, just right in the bread basket – Dropped uh, passes with nobody within 20 yards of the uh, receiver. Uh, miss kick after miss. It was just the miscues were. I mean, I was. We were all sitting there in Omaha uh, with old Doug Miles, and we're sitting there, and they're having a conversation. And I just, I, I guess, I was probably distracting because my my jaw slammed down on the table from seeing how bad Miami was. Yeah, it was it was really bad, and yes, it was. I, I could tell that you were uh, <laughs> you were squirming over there <laughs> trying to watch that game. A uh, and M got outgained by like a hundred and fifty yards or something like that, and still found a way to to win the game. Kyle from Chickasha, once OU moves to the SEC, do we know anything about how the format of the conference will look? Nothing definite, but there's a thought that it's going to be a nine game SEC schedule, three game non con, and you'll have three yearly opponents that you play every single year. And the rest of the six will will, will rot, uh, rotate. That'll that's how that's probably yeah, the, going to work. And the difference in that is a lot of people are thinking pod. So like a pod would be you have four teams and everybody in that pod only plays. You know they they have to play everybody in the pod. From my understanding, the the three regular opponents are like Oklahoma would play, and again hypothetically here, but Oklahoma would play. Missouri, Arkansas, and Texas, but then Texas could play A&M, you know, LSU and Arkansas, and then Arkansas could play LSU. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not it's not a pod situation. It is each team will have a different three teams that they play. Hey, Parker, the Jordan Renaud uh, recruitment was fascinating because it felt like for several weeks I was just saying, yeah, I mean, OU's good right there, and then after that, Visit weekend here, there's a crystal ball in for Alabama all of a sudden, and you lose out on him. Is there anything with the DJ Hicks commitments that could potentially happen that would make you nervous for OU? I mean, you never say never, right? especially when you're talking about a five-star kid for whom a lot of money is going to be on the table a lot of places. So could there come a circumstance where you start to get a little bit uneasy about DJ Hicks' recruitment? Sure, you don't want to completely close the door on that. But right now, OU's in the catbird seat, and the Sooners continue to look really, really good in terms of their odds to finish out uh, as the destination for DJ Hicks. Yeah, and that's going to be, you know, if if OU for some reason misses out on him, and I don't think any of the three of us here think that that's going to happen, but there would be a real freakout, uh, Parker, and a real panic. And I think that you can still have a great recruiting class without David Hicks. But David Hicks is going to kind of be the difference in how how much people are really excited for the 2023 class. Yeah, you look, you're that's stoked a, about this one. class without DJ Hicks. You are over the moon about this class with DJ Hicks. Simple as that. Pretty much just as simple as that. All right, that'll do it for Parker. You got Travis Davidson and myself coming up from 3 to 6. He's at Flamingo Fish and Marine in Yafala, Oklahoma. The Rush coming up next.